0: Welcome to The Hollow Point, your source for the latest guns, gear, and gossip, with your hosts, Rich Nance and Mike Barilla.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. Mike Barilla here with uh, Rich shoelicker Nance. How you doing today, Rich?
0: What's going on, Mike?
1: <coughs> <laughs> not much, not
0: much. Uh, you're still traveling, huh? Yeah. I uh, got home... Day before yesterday and tomorrow I'm. Jeez, gone don't say I'm so excited! Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gunsite, right this time? Yeah, we were at Gunsight filming for a week for handguns and defensive weapons. Um, TV show, right? On yeah, TV show on the Sportsman Channel. Might as well plug right off the top, right? We'll be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know the exact air times, but I think the new episodes will start airing in uh, July. This yeah. is the fourth season that we've done the show, and uh, Jim Tar is my co-host. Um, also, uh, Scott Rupp from uh, Handguns Magazine and also Rifle Shooter. He is the executive producer. So, what do you um, what do you cover in that show? Is it mostly tactics or gear reviews or what is it? You know, it's it's actually like a it's like a variety show with handguns. I mean, it, we used to even do a little competition like segment. Yeah, sort of. At, at times, that's what <laughs> it seems like. But no, so we do. Um, I do a dedicated tactical segment, um, and then there's a lot of product reviews. There's also just um, the main segments of each show are just about a particular topic, like it may be, you know, what's the difference between training and practice or uh, whatever a particular uh, main episode would be, um, and, and that's kind of the feature of the show, so there's three main segments in each episode, and then there's the dedicated um And what channel is that on? It's on the Sportsman channel. That's Um,
1: right. Yeah, for anybody with uh, Comcast at home, do not uh, save Rich Nance as like a a search thing. I actually did that, and I ended up getting all these old westerns and shit recorded on my DVR. I don't know from what. There's nothing wrong with that, man. There's some weird stuff, though. Um, (laughs) So uh, back to Gunsight. uh, You said you were filming out there, right?
0: Yeah, it was great. Um, They also had a couple classes going. I think maybe three classes going. Uh, their basic pistol course is the 250 course, and that's a five-day course that really brings someone with with virtually no experience um, with handguns and brings them up, you know, um, to to an acceptable level. Um, and so, while I wasn't in that course, um, I took a modified version of that course before, like a condensed version. It's pretty good. I mean, they cover everything from. You know how to run your gun to, to how to shoot and there's a little night uh, shoot component of it they even do some uh shoot house stuff some very basic movement within cool. a shoot house so for as you can imagine for a new shooter i mean they're getting exposed to a ton of stuff and you know gunsight's probably the most storied um shooting academy um in the world i mean uh developed by colonel cooper who you know even if you don't um uh, don't subscribe to uh, his complete methodology exactly I mean he's the one that we got all of our you know stuff about mindset and awareness from and of course he didn't invent these concepts but he's he's the first one uh, that I'm aware of to really um, stress the significance of those concepts uh, and he had such a reach I mean he was uh, you know uh, retired colonel had um, conducted all of these pistol matches, you know, and it's funny cause we like to, we like to definitely draw a distinction between competition and, and tactics, but here's a guy whose goal, uh, was to teach people to protect themselves with a small arm. And yet he chose competition as the, the mode to determine what was the most relevant, you know, technique. So very interesting stuff. Um, and uh, we actually got to, uh, I got to accompany the students who had just graduated from the 250 course uh, to the Scots, which was um, uh, Colonel Cooper's uh, little mini fortress, I guess you could call it. So it's very, very cleverly designed. He was exposed to a lot of, you know, third world countries where uh, home invasions were, were the norm. And so... Or uh, Oakland. Yeah. So this was built uh, to really... Uh, be fortified and to make it difficult for someone to, um, to invade, Uh, to want to invade. So you have a moat? Yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing that was missing. And that's only because it's in Arizona, (laughs) but, uh, no, I mean, you would have to be pretty darn dedicated. And then I guess if you were, if you were an evil intruder, um, if you even got to see Cooper, um, you had done a lot to get past different uh, levels of security. And then, of course, uh, meeting him face-to-face when he's armed is probably not, uh, <laughs> not your ideal well, scenario. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was great. I mean, from a historic standpoint, I got to go up into the uh, bird's nest there, and, and you see where he wrote. I mean, he was a very, very influential writer. And um, it, it's just neat to see that, that this dude uh, – who had such a reach, influenced so many people, was sitting at this desk writing this stuff. It was even, you know, as someone who writes for Guns and Ammo, it's neat to see there was actually a um, an envelope on his desk uh, that was addressed to him from Guns and Ammo. So it was it was pretty darn neat.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, while we're plugging you, why not let's 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 do a couple more plugs, huh? Hey, <laughs> plugs are always good. Uh, you know, on the shelves now we got um, the Trigger
0: Magazine. So it's a Guns and Ammo specialty mag, right? Yeah, Special Interest Publication Trigger is a kind of a lifestyle magazine. I think it's twice a year, but I I'm, could be off on that, but um it's uh it covers a wide a wide range of topics. I have a couple articles in there this time, Mike, as you know, you're uh, the uh the poster boy on one of them. Um <laughs> one of them is a review of, of the Chris Costa course that we um, that talked you, about a couple times that you on, hosted yeah. and we've yeah we've talked about it so but um, for
1: you know if someone wants some more info on that um, it, it, there's a really you know it's a really good article about that with uh, with a couple cool pictures of me
0: yeah yeah it's pretty detailed um, again by the magazine if you're interested in it trigger is what it's called and it's on newsstands although sometimes it's weird it could be difficult to find I think you found I, it in safe I found it in Safeway. Yeah, it's actually where I found mine as well although it is at like Barnes & Noble and in, in different bookstores, depending on where you live. So um, it, it's a good looking magazine. Um, it, it's it's a quality magazine. There's a lot of good pictures and hopefully the content is good as well. Uh, in that issue, I also reviewed the uh, Ruger LCP2, which again, uh, we talked about that before, really impressed me. What we'll try to do is I'll try to figure out what articles I have coming up next and maybe we'll have a little quick news segment uh, in the future where we can kind of tell people, direct people, uh, where, where i have articles that'll be appearing so
1: yeah that's uh that's a good thing to do um yeah the the, the magazine i like to uh, pretty well you know kind of went through it so the the ar- the article about the class was really well written and you know for someone who wants more info about that that's a good uh good place to go there um you know speaking of uh of new guns and all that kind of stuff you said uh the, the mmp2 you shot recently
0: right yeah the 2.0 and to be honest I, I've always liked the way the MMP feels in my hand, but I've, I've despised the mushy kind of two staged trigger. And we've talked about this before as well, how it's, did they, like do a they a put a reset into, reset. into it? Or no? Yeah, they did. Okay. And it's, you know, I, I dry fired it at, uh, at shot and, uh, was able to shoot it, um, this past week. And I was very impressed. Um, without shooting it i felt that the improvements that they made to it were pretty minimal but after shooting it especially um, noting the differences in the trigger it's it's significant so if you're a fan of the mmp i think you're going to be an even bigger fan of the mmp uh, 2.0
1: nice you know i've always liked that
0: that that platform um not quite as much as a glock but <laughs> yeah i mean and it's some people prefer that more than the glock oh yeah you know, i that's... know a
1: lot of people do uh, our uh number one fan of the show alex mix is a big uh <laughs> fan of the mmp you know yeah he can run it pretty good too man i think he's not moving his hands no it's like it's like us shooting a uh an
0: lcp or something you know? yeah
1: for those who don't know him just imagine trek shooting uh Glock, or I mean, a uh, Smith M&P. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know that that that's kind of a kind of a cool topic, and you know, unfortunately, here in California, we're we're not able to uh, to purchase them, which uh, kind of sucks. Um, there is, you know, this past week, uh, Pena versus uh, California versus who i don't forget whatever attorney general you know uh it was actually heard in the the ninth again you can uh, hear the, or watch that video and hear it on uh, farmspolicy.org um that's a case basically challenging the the roster in itself um it's been around i think seven eight years now because every time a new law kind of comes out that affects the roster it has to be reheard, reargued, re-argued re-litigated so it's kind of a case that hasn't been going anywhere fast but now is on a good pace you know with all the gun cases the ninth isn't the best uh, venue initially but also this week um, president trump should be able to get in his uh his new supreme court justice yeah so that that'll going forward you know we hope this case gets gets in front of um in front of the supreme court especially after the the heller um arguments you know that common use argument uh, you know we can't buy in California the, the most common used handguns in the
0: in the country pretty much. Well, what's funny, Mike and I think we've, we've touched on this previously too. But the whole supposed purpose of the roster is to ensure that Californians are armed only with the safest handguns, and it's absolutely, it has the opposite impact.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that that, that might be on a, on the face what it is, but really when it was passed, it was it, it's a law to ban all handgun sales in California. Uh, you know, I think I've mentioned this before, but I, I, there's no way for, even back then, the politicians knew in California that they couldn't just say, hey, no more handgun sales, period, in California. This was, you know circa late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so what they did is they kind of came up with like a 25-year plan where, you know, they would, they set up this roster in the sense of it's for the children, it's for safety, yada, 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 you know, that, that same bullshit they always use. And uh, what they would do is add requirements, you know, first with a loaded chamber indicator, or actually first with a magazine disconnect, then the loaded chamber indicator, and then now micro stamping, which is impossible, it, do- it doesn't exist. So what they did, um, effectively is now, you know, you can't add a new handgun unless it's like a new color or something, but any new handgun can't be added to the roster. Any new, um, well, revolvers can, but no semi-auto handguns can be added. And they, and they knew that going forward and they knew that, you know, right now, like, you know, the, the Glock Gen 4s and now the M's, you know, the Gen 5s, um, they you know, how much longer are Gen Three's gonna be made? How much longer are these guns that are just made for California going to be worth it for the manufacturers? Yeah. So they knew at some point, you know, once guns started being replaced, or like with Smith and Wesson, they they went down to like the, the sear material that they used and determined it's a different model for the M and Ps. So that's why the M and Ps aren't on the roster anymore. So
0: functionally it's absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and so you know they, they were able to get those delisted. <laughs> so the whole goal is now you know hey maybe another five years ish you know we won't be able to buy any handguns period. Yeah, um, and that's obviously a problem. Uh, the Pena case kind of attacks it from from several different angles. That's a good case to read um, or or at least read through the on the Calguns um, uh, Foundation on the at least the the basics of it. It attacks it from like six or seven different angles. Um, it's going to be a, you know, it's a, it's a very good case. It's just been problematic in the courts because of how rapidly that law has changed. So I'm hoping that, you know, um, I, I doubt it's going to be a win in the ninth just because, you know, just because it's the ninth. Most things aren't. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but further on, I think it's a really strong case that will affect other states. Like, you know, Massachusetts, I think has a, has a similar kind of scheme, um, as is Maryland, I believe, and maybe one other. And, you know, I'm not, two on top of other states obviously but um, there's a few law a few states that have looked at california kind of as this as a base for their their handgun laws Um, so i'm really hoping that that changes not only california but stops it from coming in anywhere else and that's why it's important to you if you're listening outside of california you know these cases are the battleground these are the front lines for this stuff uh, before it hits you
0: Mike, a uh, little bit of a transition here. I know that you've been working with some 80% polymer frames, pistol frames, uh, and I know that you actually built one recently. And before we get into the specifics of that, talk a little bit how, what they mean by an 80% frame or like with an AR and 80% lower, because some people may not understand what that means. Why sure. don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, In the eyes of the ATF, you know, a firearm is the the receiver in the U.S. So, like, on an AR-15, the lower receiver, you hear that word. On the scar, it's the upper. On a pistol, it's the frame. Um, So, there's... So, at a certain point, like, if you think about an AR-15, at a certain point, that lower receiver was just either a forging or just a block of aluminum, right? So... At what point does that block of aluminum become a firearm? You know, there's there's sometimes a hundred different machining operations that have to go through to, to finish this gun. Well, ATF has kind of decided that 81% of the machining makes it a firearm. 80% does not. Now, where they got that number, you know, you, it's probably arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> and it's different for every kind of, you know, whether it's a AK lower or an AR lower. It's going to be different for each of those because it depends... It depends on the technical branches definition, you know, on that
0: firearm. But... Who decides what is an 80%? Is it so, is it the manufacturer who's who says basically this is...
1: No, it's the ATF. Okay. Um, so like if you so wanted it's to make... On a
0: case-by-case case basis? It is case-by-case. Case. Okay. Yeah,
1: they have to submit what they're making to the ATF technical branch and get a determination. This usually takes months and months, but you get a determination. Yes, this is a firearm or no, this isn't a firearm or this is a firearm, but if you remove this, you know, it's, it, it's no longer a firearm. That's like on an AR lower, you know, typically you don't have the trigger, um, the trigger housing milled out and mm-hmm. you don't have the, whole, the the cross holes
0: for the for the trigger pins drilled um, that's usually what has to be finished in an AR. So the manufacturers are submitting um, samples for exactly. approval to basically say, you have our stamp of approval that this is not a firearm. Yeah, and, that's, and when that's the case, they can sell them, and essentially without restriction, right? I mean you yeah, can sell, you them, can to, sell them, send just, them to your house or exactly. At that point, it's like a bag of flour or anything else. It's just and, a it's just an item. And we should mention also when you're talking about an upper receiver, an AR-15, that is an item that can. Be sold with no paperwork required. I mean, we're t- as long as it's of proper length and everything else. But um, and it's the same for what a slide on a, on a pistol. Yep. Even though a slide oftentimes is a serialized component as well, it's it's different.
1: Yeah, because on like Glocks, for example, they're serialized only because of Austrian and European Union laws. They're not serialized <laughs> for anything in the U.S. and they don't need to be serialized. You know, there's no. There's no requirement for that. So that that actually brings me to another point. A lot of times, um, you know, if you have a mismatched gun that has a different slide and different frame, it's a problem for cops because a lot of cops don't know that. And they'll try to run the slide, sure. you know, numbers and either get no record back or someone else's or something instead of looking at the frame um but anyway back on point um, so so on a low and again i should mention that you should always you know check your local laws before completing anything like this because it can still be illegal you know depending where you are i don't know all the local laws everywhere I know california is coming out with a with a scheme where you have to ask for a serial number and all that but that isn't in effect yet um so anyway always check your laws
0: you know don't do anything illegal <laughs> so not only theoretically just big picture stuff Theoretically, not only can you purchase this without uh, going through the the normal process of purchasing a firearm, but also once it's built, once your firearm is completed, you don't have to register it.
1: And this is from a federal sense. So state laws, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, don't take my advice. Uh in California you know, it might, it might it may very well be different but in a federal sense no there's no requirement to register there's no requirement to
0: serialize for example there's no requirement to even yeah. put any markings on it so speaking I'm speaking in broad terms exactly. that this would be one of the selling points of purchasing an 80% yeah
1: there's something and for one thing yeah you know you don't have any records of it but the other and that's not the biggest part for me. The biggest part for me is actually that that kind of desire to build something. Um, you know, I've always kind of tinkered, whether it was cars or guns or whatever it was. There's something to be said about completing a firearm on your own and having you know it be yours and having you know it take from a solid chunk of steel or what, whatever it was to being a complete firearm. It's something really cool to to be able to say you did.
0: It is, and not a lot of people can do that from scratch because they may not have the tools or they may not have the expertise. But I know that you, for instance, just actually purchased one of these 80% uh, polymer pistol frames and actually built up a pistol and yep. fired it and everything. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, uh, we gave you all the plugs, so it's my turn. Uh, we are a dealer for, you know, to, uh, just to be clear on things, we are a dealer for polymer 80, which is the the Glock frames. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, it's actually trapshirts.com. Uh, we have them on there because the, their website doesn't work right now. But uh, Trap Shirts right now, you can order the the full frames uh, for what we have in stock and then pre-order some of the other ones that we don't. Um, so, yeah, you know, I took one of these full-size frames, uh, the Polymer 80 uh, PF940s. So it's a full-size 17, 22, 34, 35 frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually kind of played a game. You know, I thought this was really simple, really easy build. I've built all kinds of other things before, so I put half an hour on a on a timer. Legos and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge Star, Lego fan. But uh, battleships. Exactly. You know, I, I love tinkering and building with stuff. I built ARs, AKs, all kinds of guns. Um, so I decided to put half an hour on the clock. Um, the kit actually comes with uh, with all the with a couple end mills you need and a couple drill bits and the jig itself that clamps around the 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 frame tells you where to drill everything. It's really easy. It's it's stupid easy. So I put half an hour on the clock, and you know I'm standing right in front of a a, a mill, a lathe, uh, all kinds of tooling, you know, drill presses and and all kinds of stuff. But I decided to just do it with a hand drill, um, a hacksaw, and a couple hand files. Mm-hmm. That was it. I wanted to be the, to do it as simple as possible, um, so I grabbed it and uh, complete. You know, went through all the the steps. There, you have to cut off the front rails. You have to mill out a little barrel stop, um, and then drill three holes on each side. Mm-hmm. It was way easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I ended up uh, grabbing a Glock 17, you know, stripping that thing of parts. I got all the the parts back into the Glock or into the new uh, Polymer 80 frame that I'd finished up, racked it, and, you know, there's still five minutes left on the clock. Mm-hmm. It was that easy um, with simple hand tools. You know, the fitting kind of takes the, the most time, you know, kind of polishing everything. Not polishing, but taking off that last material so the slide can ride freely. Um, and then I took it right on the range.
0: And what what do those run, Mike? I mean, uh, so
1: the polymer eighty frames are one hundred fifty bucks. Okay. So um, I mean,
0: if 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 you do somehow manage to screw up, it's one hundred fifty bucks. It's not five hundred bucks that you're out or. Yeah,
1: you know, it, it, it is one hundred fifty bucks, um, but it's it it comes with all the tooling you need you know the the jig is awesome it clamps it in there holds it in nice and
0: tight instructions make sense
1: uh instructions are all online so you have full video walkthroughs you know if you're a super meticulous person you can watch it down to the last little step um i'm kind of the the hacksaw go for it guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i did that and uh fired you know um i went on the range fired the first round i had a failure to feed on the first round (laughs) Which I thought, you know, I was going to hang up my coat, throw this thing away, and kind of walk away, you know. Um, But I racked it, and then, you know, I now have four hundred something rounds through it, and haven't had a single malfunction since then.
0: It obviously runs off Glock mags, and
1: yeah, it runs Glock mags, uh, Glock slides, all that stuff. Now, there's kind of two ways to do this. So, if you're looking for a basic, you know, Glock Glock 17, right? It's going to be cheaper for you to walk into your nearest gun store and just buy a Glock 17. The problem is that Glock doesn't really make slides, doesn't make, uh, or sorry, they make slides, but they don't sell slides separate, obviously, um, all the other parts. So um, so I was able to um, to just take a, a factory Glock 17 and rip it all apart. So that means I needed to buy a 17. So it's not gonna be the, the, the cheapest way. Right now, like us and several other companies are stripping 17s or 19s or whatever and selling all the parts off of them. Mm-hmm. So you can buy a completion kit. But it's going to be more expensive than just buying a Glock, mm-hmm. uh, just because that's what, you know where the market is um, until Glock starts making frames and other parts just to be or slides, excuse me, to be able to sell.
0: Now, can you get a uh, let's say that you're going to put together, you know, what would represent a Glock? Because it's not really a yeah. Glock, but it would a, a pistol that's similar to a Glock. Maybe you're going to use a Glock slide. Um, can you get a an 80 percent lower that is sort of customized or that is um, or, yes. or can you do the customization to it just i mean i know you could do it even on a yeah. genuine glock
1: well you could do it so on the on the full size frames they have kind of a whole different look to them a little different grip angle um you know the the grip is nice it kind of it, it, it's pretty cool except for the back strap area is kind of rough i just had to sand that down a little bit on the Compact frames, the 940 um, they have either a ready mod, which is just kind of a smooth where you can texture it yourself, or an already textured frame, which is awesome. It looks like a, you know, one of those fancy Glocks you get. It's all so nice. You paid and, for a nice stippling job. Yeah, exactly. And what's cool about that is, you know, the the other way people are going to do it is to build it into either like a limited gun or a race gun or, you know, just a cool cool gun using aftermarket parts. So you can have that without having to buy a Glock first. So you can actually build a, um, you know, a, one of those fancy Uh, slides with an RMR on it or even just, you know, a basic one and all kinds of different trigger internals and stuff. And you don't have to sacrifice a Glock for it. Yeah, that's cool. Sacrificing Glocks is never good. (laughs) No, it upsets the gods. Yeah. Um, Well, and that being, you know, this is a cool start because 80% ARs have been around for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's not all that new and 80% um, AKs have been around way longer than that um so that's not necessarily new but what's cool is now getting into the glocks um and these are gen 3 parts i should say mm-hmm. um but further on i'm sure there's companies right now looking at you know making for example m&p frames that sure. are 80 percenters um and that's going to be huge especially in markets like california where you can't go to your store and buy an m because you can smith does sell all the other parts you need you know the slides barrels all that kind of stuff so you can complete a, an m if you wanted to <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So that's a really cool way to do things. Um, and I, I think there's going to be more and more. I saw Grey Guns, I think, uh, just kind of teased a few pictures of uh, 80% 320 uh, trigger packs. Yeah, that's is great. Really cool because of those f- frames are super, you know, they're, the actual grips you can just buy over the counter. All the conversion kits are all over the place it's now. It's the chassis, right? SIG is making everything. It's just that trigger group is actually the gun. And I think it needs like two or three holes drilled in it. It looks very simple to do. So that's going to be really cool once that, uh, once that hits the shelves. Yeah,
0: exciting stuff and pretty creative, you know, uh, gives you an opportunity to, uh, like you said, maybe to own some... Type of pistol that normally you wouldn't be able to.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is you can you know the, you can experiment with stuff. You can make uh, different setups, and I think there's going to be that's going to be a huge emerging market, not only in California because people like to tinker with stuff. You know, there's something to be said about building your own gun and and kind of finishing that off. So that's a, that's a really cool thing to do.
0: Well, just look at I mean even ARs, right? I mean people want to, you know, they think I can build an AR. When you say when you tell someone you're building an AR, that sounds like you're pretty a pretty skilled. Dude, although building an AR usually involves slapping a bunch of stuff together that just goes together, you know. I, I
1: can build the lower blindfolded.
0: Yeah, I'm not kidding.
1: Um, so. After doing, you know, probably a thousand of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the, it's it's a pretty cool market. You know, it's kind of emerging right now. I think the, in the next couple of years, you're going to get a lot more companies, a lot more uh, products out there, and they're flying off the shelves. The compacts we cannot keep in stock. So, um, so that's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's really neat, man. I know that uh, at, at the uh, range recently you guys had a little bit of, a, of an exciting experience huh yeah you know um, if you haven't seen it online already I'll, I'll post it up on our um, on our
1: Facebook you know uh, facebook.com slash the hollow point podcast um, a link to the, the the one of the threads we had a Colt uh, expanse carbine uh, one of the basic uh, rifles probably I think it was made last year but we had it on the range as a, a rental you know our rental guns. No, they're not the best taken care of guns on the planet. I'll be first to admit that, but they are pretty. Um, you know, we do have a program to clean and maintain, maintain them and everything. I always wax my rental cars before I send them back. For you know, sure, <laughs> right. everybody does that. I'm sure you know get, get the premium everything right. Um, but we, yeah, we had a we had a Colt go boom. Uh, so there's a video of it. There's you know detailed pictures of the whole thing. Um, it's one of the more. Um, extravagant explosions i've seen yeah. from an ar no serious um,
0: injuries right
1: no serious injuries some you know facial scratches and stuff but nothing too bad um but it is one of the 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 more spectacular failures failures i've seen as far as you know the the bulk carrier broke into a bunch of pieces the upper actually split into two pieces um and the aim point broke uh, all kinds of stuff just fell apart on that thing um you know right now we don't have a perfect you know idea of what happened there could be a contribute you know several contributing factors um my guess is the 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 bolt was probably already weakened but um the we were running a federal um uh, 193 through it um just basic stuff you sure. know so and it just i mean the case ruptured i think it, it was definitely a weak case and and it, a high pressure event of some sort you know we We scoped out the bore. There doesn't look to be like, or the barrel, excuse me, there doesn't look like there was any obstructions anywhere. You know, we bore scoped it completely. Um, I would say that it wasn't a uh, squib type malfunction. Um, Also, setback wasn't really an issue because we, you know, there was a failure to fire right before the round that went kaboom. And uh, I still have that round and there's no setback, nothing crazy on it. So,
0: You know, I mean, no one expects that to happen, but that's just all the more reason for eye protection and yeah, eye protection is safety huge. safety protocols, you know.
1: Um, I would also say, you know, our our guy that was on the range was, you know, kind of just rack, boom, go kind of thing. Sure. And, you know, that, that, that has its purpose to train like that if you do get into a gunfight or something. But on the range, it's always good to kind of take a minute. Um, you know, if you do have a series of malfunctions or something weird is going on, it's not a bad idea to take it apart. Just look down the bore, make sure, you know, from the back end. Guys, from the back end, not from the muzzle end, um, to make sure that uh, there are no obstructions. You know, um, nothing crazy going on with the bolt and stuff. So that's something important to um, to do. There's no hurry to get
0: back up in the in the. You know, if you're on a static range. Yeah, scary for sure, but uh again, nobody seriously injured and uh, some good points you bring up about that, Mike.
1: Yeah, you know, and the other thing is, you know, we talked about the the expanse it, it was an expanse carbine. it's not a true LE uh 6920. The only Really, the only 60, the Colt part on that gun is the lower. Uh, everything else is subbed out, so, that, you know, they don't make the barrel. They don't make the bolts. They don't make anything um, on that gun, and uh, from everybody I've talked to, that's just uh, because they, they wouldn't be able to get a gun at that price point if they made it just because of their um, union uh, wages. Yeah. In in Hartford, you know, there there's no way they would be able to make a gun for that cheap. So they subbed it all out kind of licensed the name, which is kind of a problematic thing Colt's been doing lately on a lot of their guns. Um, you know, also maybe a reason why they're filing for another bankruptcy and yeah. you know, I heard they they fired their or closed their custom shop, fired off all those guys. Mm. Um, so that kind of sucks, you know, that 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 company's going to go through another rebuild just like it did in the 90s and 70s and You know, even before that, um, it's been through a series of rebuilds. Um, Forgotten Weapons did a good video in their history uh, a couple weeks ago. You can check out at ForgottenWeapons.com. I like that site a
0: lot. (laughs) Uh, The other thing in the industry is Remington. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Uh, Definitely some restructuring going on. Looks like some senior management. Yeah, I heard they fired pretty much the head of every department over there. Yeah. So...
1: You know the 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 pistol department really needs a, <laughs> and
0: and that's a that's a company that's been around forever.
1: Yeah, and you know it's gone through hands too. You know now with Freedom Group and Cerberus and all that, so it's you know they see a lot of changes over there and the the market changing. Um, the problem with, I mean, some stuff, especially right now, what we're seeing, bolt actions just aren't selling all that much. Um, so they went in their MSR line. You know that they they acquired Bushmaster, all that kind of stuff, just to kind of. Um, expand that but like the 700s for example i know a lot of people that are shooting you know 700s that
0: are 30 years old and just they work so why get another one you know sure now we should mention too with california um bolt guns are really ineffective right i mean you can pretty much get any bolt gun you want
1: yeah there's no restrictions on that yet
0: yeah what about shotguns mike
1: shotguns uh right now you know the basic type shotguns obviously there's no beyond federal restrictions um the the weird the, the the problem comes in when you talk about semi-auto shotguns with uh, magazines, so yes. mag-fed shotguns like uh, like Saigas and or Sega's whatever and uh, Vepers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So right now they're not technically illegal because there's no. So the the, the new assault weapons ban that pa- or passed last year didn't really change anything to do with those. Okay, um, when they passed new rate or when they proposed new regulations in December, they accidentally banned all shotgun or magfed shotguns hmm. um those regs have since been pulled for who knows what reason we've talked about that before um so they're kind of in a weird spot right now where they probably will be targeted but as of right now nothing has changed in california mm-hmm. as far as uh magfed shotguns you know they're still bull button all that kind of stuff uh, most places aren't going to be selling them right now just because it's kind of a weird area right now mm-hmm um so that's kind of an issue everything else is pretty much go to, good to go except for um be careful out there guys with the um, uh mossberg just came out with a shockwave i don't know if you saw that yeah, you saw that yeah. it's a pistol grip only um there's a weird not a loophole but a weird um part of the 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 cfrs where or federal regulations um where an aow or a shotgun without a, a stock on it that's never had a stock on it can actually have a shorter than 18-inch barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, it can have, you know, as long as the overall length is 26 inches, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So I think the Mossberg has, like, a 14-some-change barrel on it, the Shockwave. Um, so federally, you can buy that everywhere, you know, just as any other shotgun, No, you know, as long as you're, you have to be 21 for those, not 18, but, um, but there's no restrictions beyond that. However, in California, the definition of shotgun doesn't rely on it being shoulder-fired. Mm-hmm. And so, anything with a less than eighteen-inch barrel in California that fires shotgun shells is a short-barrel shotgun. Um, so you want to stay away from that. Yeah, so that's, that's something to think about. It's 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 kind of a stupid, weird area. But um, Mossberg's new shotgun is not good to go here. <laughs> yeah,
0: perfect example of conflicting laws there, state and federally.
1: Yeah, and I mean you get that a little bit everywhere, but it's just it relies on definitions and stuff, so it gets kind of kind of
0: tricky. Um, you know so what do you what do you have coming up here you know um and and we should probably apologize a little bit mike i mean we've been so busy with travel every every really since shot you know for me um and then uh, you got a lot of stuff going on with the little one on the way so we've been uh, trying to do this as often as we can and hopefully we'll uh, we'll be a little more consistent and also uh, there's a lot of guests that we have on the cusp that we'll get uh, we'll get in our schedules lined up with them soon and we'll we'll bring someone on besides just us two bozo's talking <laughs> but uh, i'm heading to the um ILEDA conference uh, which is the International Law Enforcement Educators and Trainers Association conference and i could have picked a better name yeah yeah kind of that's why they call it ILEDA but um it's in St. Louis this year. I went for the first time last year and uh, I had wanted to go for a long time. I had been a member of this organization for a long time, um, you know, as a police farms and defensive tactics instructor. But I always, you know, I'm so busy with filming and different stuff going on, writing, training, that I. Working. I, yeah, I had never made time for for it before last year. And after having attended last year, I think it's something I'm going to make time for every year. And I won't go into too big a detail because. Probably law enforcement is a small portion of the of the people listening, but it's very interesting conference. It's literally everybody there is a trainer. So in other words, even if someone's not teaching there, you know, they're just in one of your classes as a student. They are a trainer at their own agency. So it's the largest law enforcement training conference around. And um, yeah, I heard you're going to be on a panel uh, discussing uh, Glock versus 1911. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be on a panel. It's, or is that nine mil versus 45? I don't remember. Uh, well, that's that's the panel that happens, you know, after hours in the bar. But uh, no, I'm going to be on uh, Masada Yub's uh, use of deadly force panel or deadly force review panel, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was so cool to be on there last year with some of like the top like police psychologists, police trainers, lawyers, everything. I mean, a lot of guys who were very influential to me. So You're there for looks. I'm the, <laughs> yeah, I'm there. Uh, I guess as the uh, believe or not one of the younger guys. You know. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's 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 great discussion. Last year on that panel, uh, we talked a lot about you know some uh, some requirements, um, use of force issues, reviewed uh, particular cases, and just talked uh, basically trying to bring um, uh, I, I don't know what what the word is, but trying to make some of these laws and some of these. Um, proposed use of force guidelines makes sense, which is sometimes easier said than done. Yeah. But in addition to that, there's hands-on courses. There's courses, uh, like last year, I taught um, a handgun disarming and retention course. Uh, this year, I'm teaching a close-quarter shooting course, which is a uh, live fire versus what, what I did last year, um, being more defensive tactics-based. But you know, I'm going to take uh, different courses while I'm there. friend of the show, Dave Spaulding, is there presenting um, like I said, Masada, Yub. Uh, there's just a ton of very, um, well-respected actually that you hear this a lot, but really the best and the best is going to be there. And so it's, it's great uh, being there makes you better. And you might think that all these guys are going to be sort of like puffing their chest out and each trying to outdo the other. But last year, again, my first year attending, I found the exact opposite to be true. I mean, everybody's there trying to, trying to help, uh, boost each other up and try to just because we all have the same goal, which is to make, you know, cops safer and, and to come home, you know, the same way they went to work, you know, every after every shift. So really neat really need an opportunity for me and it's a good chance to kind of recharge my battery come back motivated for a couple months until uh you know until the job makes me bitter again
1: (laughs) all right well on that note i think it's about time to wrap up uh you know check us out facebook.com slash the hollow point podcast uh like i said i'll be throwing up a a link up there um for that that uh cult we were talking about throwing up yep just like that (laughs) that's a button um Twitter uh, at thp podcast and uh, email is the best way to get a hold of us. Podcast at the dot Happy to answer questions on air or doing you know anything like that or take some feedback,
0: guys. If there's a particular topic you want us to address, hit us up. Yep, exactly. So uh,
1: yeah, till next time.